Welcome to Urban Forum Northwest. Look like we're having a little problem uh, getting uh, some audio from Bob Armstead. And we're also waiting for Irene Reyes to join us. So, Bob, we we can't, we there's no audio coming up for you right now. So, uh, what we're going to do is we're going to reverse things and we'll just go ahead while you get that audio fixed up. I'm so glad that uh, Momentum, uh, Miss Christine Blocker has joined us. And uh, so we'll just reverse the order because uh, I know Bob has a, a doctor's appointment as well. So, uh, uh, Christine, I'm glad you're on. And I also want to say that uh, the project that you're involved with, and I, this the day is about Women's History Month, and you did an outstanding job in chronicling uh, women who are doing some dynamic things. But you're also involved that this project. Was that funded by the uh, Department of Commerce with Sean Glaze and Corvette Mosley? Is that the same project? No, that's not the same project, but they are doing amazing work as well. Okay, so uh, what, what project are, are, are you working on right now? Yep. So there, it's a partnership with the Department of Commerce and the Pierce County uh, Economic Development Board. Um, the Black Collective uh, was granted funds to do research on the barriers that Black businesses are facing in Pierce County. So Momentum um, is the Black Collective's contractor in doing that research. So we've been hosting focus groups to get a really good understanding about from Black business owners, Black business owners that have closed their businesses, Black business owners that might have another business that they're operating within but have learned lessons from their previous businesses um, to get insight on what those barriers might be so that then with our report, we'll be submitting that to the Department of Commerce um, and then also sharing that data with uh, our, our overall community. And we see this as not only being able to inform Washington State, but as you know, uh, I, I like to call you Dr. Rye because of all of the uh, the the brilliance and, and the history that you bring to the table. But um, this information really informs the United States, right? This this informs how we support our Black businesses. And I would say in the focus groups that we've been doing already, so many of the folks that have been participating have said, hey, here's what I would have done differently. Here's how I'm mentoring folks. Here's some organizations that are now coming up with other ways to support Black businesses. And so we're going to be collecting all of that information and including- Christine, that. I need you to do me a favor. Uh, Irene Ray, as uh, I want you to hold on, uh, there's a, a regional trans, uh, U.S. United States Department of Transportation conference that Bob Armstead, president of the Washington chapter, National Association of Motor Contractors, and Irene Reyes, who is uh, the founder of the Association of, of Women and Minority Businesses in Washington State, and they are hosting this uh, regional conference. Uh, Irene, we're having a problem uh, getting Bob's audio. I don't know if there's a way if you can get him on the phone so he can participate or what have you. But I know he has a doctor's appointment. So why don't you share with our listeners? Uh, I know the conference is going to be on March 30th. Bob told me it's going to be at the SeaTac Marriott. So why don't you fill in uh, with uh, uh, the details on how people can get engaged and get involved? Um, good afternoon, everyone. Um, so this is the first Northwest Small Business uh, contracting Symposium, which we call Contractors Day. And this is in collaboration, or I should call it a partnership between uh, the Association of Women and Minority Businesses, or AMBI, and NAMAC. And of course, our host is, um, you know, the U.S. Department, or our special guest, I should say, we are hosting our special guest, which is the U.S. Department of Transportation. 
And our invited speaker will be um, the speaker, uh, uh, Secretary, um, you know, Pete Buttigieg, and uh, the participation of the U.S. Small Business Director will, will be here and his entourage, I should say so. The U.S. MBDA will participate, and I think the U.S. Department of Commerce will be here as well. And of course, let us not forget the OSTABU, which is, um, you know, the uh, Office of Small Business Utilization Program of the U.S. Department of Transportation. Um, tickets are free to walk the boots or the trade show for certified um, OMWBE firms. And, um, you know, there are also lunch, lunch, lunches and the plenum tickets that are also being drawn uh, to give away for uh, minority firms. So be, you know, um, on the look or be aware of your email that, you know, when we send that to you, that you are apparently, you know, a winner of that free ticket. It will start from 7.30 till 5 o'clock on March 30th. And please register because we have a deadline for individual registrants for March 10th. And then the trade show booths are still open if there's anyone that would like to have a booth. Uh, and that does not, um, I think, end until March 12th. Um, if you have any questions, please email us um, at the um, you know, inquiry at AWMB wa.org or just you know look it up contractors day and it should be at the omwbe um you know um website as well thank you now, you said certified now you said omwbe certified or people who are self-certified and bob is going to get on on the phone with us because we're having problems getting this audio so uh, uh do people have to bring a proof of certification they have to submit that prior to the conference how does that work Okay, this is how it works. So if you log in, you know, or go to our website, it will say there, register as a as an OMWB certified firm, and then you click like you're ordering, but then it won't charge you. And then it will require you to put your, your uh, certification number, and we will have to verify that with OMWBE. So just make sure that you get your current, because if you're not current, you will not get a name badge. To get in and all these events, we're going to give you a ticket and a name badge. And if you don't show up on the list of our name badges on that day of the event, I am sorry, we cannot help you because okay. we have a limited capacity. So it, it, it's important to register now. And you can always email me on the website. It says their email. And you can always email us because we cannot entertain phone calls because there are so many phone calls. So we'd really like to do email and we'll reply to you and we'll surely um, send you the step-by-step -step process. Thank you. Would, you. would you share with our listeners who are some of the individuals and agencies that you have coming? Oh, um, the U.S. Department, of course, U.S. DOT is coming. The, um, the FAA, FTA. And all and the maritime are coming too. Um, we have Skanska, we have Anderson Construction, we have um, the Office of Women Minority Business Enterprise on WBE. We have Sound Transit, we have Department of Transportation, and the Port of Seattle 
will all be there and and among other agencies that are still signing up. Okay, I just text Bob the phone number to for the station. So hopefully he's looking at his text and he'll get yeah. that. So, so uh, I, I encourage everyone, even if you're not certified, I think this is a good event because this is where you know how to do business with the government locally and also, you know, um, the federal level. And I, I also have, I think, DES, which is the, uh, Washington State Department of Enterprise Services, will have a booth as well. And the last one I heard is City of Seattle as well. Okay. So that's far as I can remember, Eddie, and every day there's always, you know, an addition to the exhibitors. Oh, uh, for, for, is that Forma Construction? Um, I think Seattle Children's Hospital will be having a booth as well or will participate. And there was one more. Oh, uh, Turner Construction. Okay, Bob is on right now. So Bob Armstead, go right ahead and pick up where, uh, I don't, you probably didn't hear where, but... Uh, 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 we've had an update already on who some of the participants are and, and also on who would be qualified to go in for free, uh, certified firms. So I'd like to have you add anything that, uh, well, I guess you didn't, I don't know if you could hear Irene or not, but go right ahead. Okay. No, I could not. And very briefly, I, I just like to give a little background. The investment infrastructure investment and jobs act, is the biggest infrastructure program that this country has had since President Eisenhower built the interstate highways. It is a once in a lifetime program. It's currently at $1.2 trillion. It's anticipated to go to 1.5 or maybe 2 trillion. Uh, it is an opportunity for our firms and our communities to participate. Uh, President Biden has made a point of emphasizing each time he has addressed uh, the Infrastructure Act that he has put a requirement of 15% of the expenditure of the funding for the act go to minority business communities. Uh, the Department of Transportation under the direction of the White House is holding symposiums around the country to ensure that all of the state agencies and hopefully the contractors and potential uh, contracting uh, entities such as small business, minority businesses, and women businesses hear about the program. It's important that you know what the program is so that you'll know what to follow through on. We have one agency in this state that has already received a billion dollars we have not been able to determine what any agency in the state has put in place to track to make sure that at least 15 percent of all of the monies that come to the state whether it's transportation education health whatever it is and it's important also to know that only 60 percent of the infrastructure act is for transportation the other 40 percent is going to housing and education so regardless of where you are in the community, you will be impacted uh, by this Infrastructure Act. So it's important that you know what it is, uh, what your potential opportunities are, what the opportunities are for the communities where you live. 
So these symposiums are, are very, very important. We encourage all state agencies, whether they're transportation or not, uh, to come to this symposium. And we certainly, certainly uh, encourage all of our communities, all of our contractors and engineers and architects, anyone who's involved in the construction industry to come out and hear from the U.S. Department of Transportation what the act is, what the potential opportunities are, and what the requirements for participation are. Okay, well, we'll, we'll be in the, the next couple of weeks. We'll have uh, several of the uh, participants from the agencies on. We want to hear their commitment. I must say I'm still disappointed with the numbers that we've been seeing coming out of Washington State. As a matter of fact, Benny Thompson, the Congressman of Mississippi, is also disappointed and chagrined about our lack of participation. So uh, thank both of you. We're going to go back to Ms. Christina Blocker. And uh, Bob, you and uh, Irene, let me know who you have for next week, the next couple of weeks, so we can get them confirmed. So we certainly appreciate the work you're doing, and we're looking forward to the big event on March 30th. So thank both of you today. Thank you, Andy, thank and thanks well. for the opportunity thank to get the word out to the community. All right. Thank so, you. Oh, Ms. Christina Blocker, my savior today. <laughs> being early, I sure appreciate you. But uh, anyway, just uh, while we go back and we and we just summarize what you first said because uh, we probably didn't have some people hadn't joined us yet. So why don't you just summarize the project you're working on once again, and then go into some more details because you didn't get a chance to finish up. Yeah, happy to. So the Department of Commerce has um, has a grant that was put out earlier last year. Um, where they're contracting with community organizations. And so one of those organiza organizations is the Pierce County Economic Development Board. Um, and so the Pierce County Economic Development Board has subcontracted with other community organizations, such as the Tacoma Pierce County Black Collective. And what we're doing, Momentum is doing in partnership with the Black Collective, is doing research to identify the barriers to Black businesses thriving within the Pierce County economic climate. And so We've been hosting focus groups with all sorts of business owners, business owners that own restaurants, folks that are in e-commerce, folks that are in tech. And so just a diversity of Black business owners, folks that might have a new, a new business that they might have started or folks that did end up eventually closing their business. Um, we're listening to their experiences and what has been beautiful from the focus groups that we've held so far is a lot of folks have a lot of solutions. They might be mentors that they're you know sharing with folks, hey, here's how I would do this differently, or here's the avenues that you can pursue if you're thinking about starting a restaurant, go try this, go try that. And so we're taking a lot of the information that they're sharing about the barriers and also the information they're sharing about what they would do differently, or maybe some possible avenues where our policymakers, our Depart Department of Commerce and our Economic Development Board can utilize that insight to build programs so that we can better support our Black businesses here. And and that's great. So how can people have access? Your focus primarily right on Pierce County, right? Yes. I know yeah. that the same thing is probably needed for King and for Thurston County and probably open Yakima and Spokane area as well, wherever we are, we need to be looking at that. So uh, now uh, you said you you have a team of people you're working with? 
Yes, yes. So um, our momentum team is about nine, nine team members strong, including myself. Um, we have a, a range of folks with different experiences. We have folks that have formerly worked within city government, folks that have worked within grassroots community organizations. And so it's been beautiful to see everyone bring all of those skills to the table and one recruiting folks within community to really gather their insights. And I think also to your point, uh, Mr. Rai, um, what we're seeing this data is to help inform not only Pierce County, but really the state, right? Some of the barriers that our Black businesses are facing, like capital capital barriers, getting capital for their businesses, discrimination impact, right? Some of these, some of these barriers, and I would go on to say a lot of the barriers are common within um, our Black entrepreneurs and our Black business owners. And so this, after this study is done, after our research is concluded, this information will be publicly available on the Black Collective's website. So what we'll do is we'll make sure to follow up with you um, so that you, you so that you can share with your listeners um, where they can access that report. You know, and you mentioned the Black Collective uh, on uh, February 25th, the Seattle King County Martin Luther King Commemoration Committee. And you're familiar with us. I think you presented an award on August, uh, uh, August 28th of last year. Uh, but yes. anyway, uh, uh, this year, uh, uh, Lyle Kwasim, the leader, one of the leaders of the Black Collective, uh, received the the Larry Gossett uh, Community Advocate Award. Uh, yes, Larry was the longest serving uh, county council member in the history of King County Council, and mm -hmm. uh, so because I, I received uh, the Harold Moss uh, Award, well, uh, so about six or seven years ago. So, and then naturally we uh, recognize people now have to be from King County because as you know. Uh, we we recognize the uh, uh, the work of all of our folks, regardless of what county they're in, and uh, I did enjoy going down to Tacoma every Saturday morning. I mean, it was great. And then when COVID stepped in, that knocked a hole in everybody's game. So right. But um, so uh, you said I did not because I want to get some ideas for King County as well. And this, these funds were made available by uh, the Washington State Department of Commerce? Yes, yes. And so they subcontracted. They had a grant that was out. I believe it's a business innovation grant. Mm -hmm. um, and so other entities throughout the state had the opportunity to apply for it. So one of those entities was the Pierce County Economic Development Board, who then created a program for community organizations to apply to be subgrantees. Oh, so, okay. So the way it works, it actually went through the city government or county government. And then the grant came down to uh, your group. So it went. It started with the Department of Commerce, and then uh, entities, larger entities like the Pierce County Economic Development Board, pursued that, um, and then created a subgrantee opportunity for community organizations to apply for the funds. So to do additional research to either support Black-owned businesses, to do accelerators, to create opportunities for BIPOC business owners. Owners. So it depends on what they're, I'm not too sure what the other um, sub-grantees are doing. I know specifically for the collective, our work is around research and understanding the barriers that Black businesses face. Now, is this segment of the study done or do you have further work to do? Yes, yeah, so it's ongoing. So we will be, the report should be completed by the end of May. And so I'll make sure to connect with you to oh, closer to that time to just be able to give you an update and also be able to share where uh, the report will be will be held, but it will be on the Black Collective's website. Okay. Now, if anything comes up, uh, you know, you're free to, because you're involved in so many different things, 
over in the Pierce County Tacoma area. So if, if anything comes up, you know, you this is a platform that you have and you're welcome at any time you have something to put out there because you guys are doing excellent work and I always applaud excellent work, especially where you're doing something to help our black community because we're in drastic need. I tell you that right now. Uh, it looks good on the outside, but when you really drill down, uh, we're not anywhere close to where we should be. Yes, yes. I mean, and I, I just want to honor and respect the work that you've done, right? This work doesn't happen in, unless we have leaders like you, like Lyle, like Mr. Harold Moss, right, to lead the way so that folks like us could come up and say there were models that taught us how to advocate, to do effective advocacy, to connect with community. So just want to honor what you did, the pathway that you've led so that us that now that we can come in and 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 continue on that path so thank you well this is christina blocker thank you very much and thank you for the work you're doing and thank you for the compliments we don't hardly get any but thank you very much all right so uh keep me posted and we'll keep uh the our listeners informed with the work you're doing okay i will i will Okay, well, Eric, we're going to take this break and come back with our next guest after this. At Sound Transit, we not only connect more people to more places, we're making life better for all. We're connecting diverse neighborhoods to an entire region of opportunities, like jobs and school. If you have an ORCA card, you can just tap and go. We have reduced fares for seniors and riders with disabilities. For adults with lower incomes, check out ORCA Lift and pay just a dollar for your ride. To plan your trip or to learn more, visit us at soundtransit.org. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity and Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community, and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion, and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.ctacshops.com. There's a reason they invented the internet. It's called 1150kknw.com. All right, Eddie Rye back at uh, Urban Forum Northwest. Uh, there's going to be a, 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 a Cannabis Equity Summit on Saturday at Highline College. And uh, we've talked to people uh, last month about who are involved uh, at the regulatory agency like Ollie Garrett, who is on the Liquor and Cannabis Board. We have a recording of her uh, February 2nd interview on Urban Forum Northwest. We'll go ahead and play that now. Opportunities coming in Washington State for folks in the cannabis industry. And my guest is Ollie Garrett, a member of the Liquor and Cannabis Board of Washington State. She's also president and CEO of PMT Solutions and president and CEO of Tabor 100. So welcome to Urban Forum Northwest, president and CEO uh, and, and cannabis board member, uh, Ollie Garrett. So uh, we understand there's an effort now to ensure there's going to be equity and participation in the cannabis industry that will include African descendants of the United States enslaved. I'm talking about the Black folks been here 400 years. So can you address what initiative that the state is putting on to ensure that we get the outreach and hopefully the participation in the industry? 
Okay, I will do that. I first want to kind of uh, cover what, how we got to having where we are and how we got to having a social equity program uh, at the LCB. Uh, I've been on the board since 2016 and coming in and after about three years of looking at the industry and what was going on in the industry, we took a look at uh, what we call uh, if what, who's in the industry. And in doing that, we saw that the industry was majority white. It was probably only 4% Black in the industry, 4% that self-identified as multiracial, and only 2% Hispanics. So after reviewing that data, what we did in 2020, we launched an effort to do outreach. We did three statewide outreach to the community to hear from the community, and it was facilitated by, by Dr. Caprice Collins, and to hear from folks that was left out uh, their issues, their concerns, and even the harm that it did to them and understanding that when the industry was open and there was only 556 licenses, over 2,500 people applied for those licenses, there was no diversity program at that time. And what can we do to now try to um, make a difference and have a social equity program? So after that outreach, uh, the LCB introduced what we call uh, House Bill 2870 to uh, have a social equity program. And from that, a social equity task force was created. And from that, uh, it was brought back to the LCB recommendations and things that we could do in order to have a social equity program. During that period, we held on to any license that was coming back to us. And uh, today we have about 44 licenses that has come back to us over the years that we held on to to be part of the social equity program. And beginning March 1st, we're opening up the application for those 44 licenses under the social equity program. Let me ask you one quick question about that. Uh, what about the, the African-Americans who were in the business, who, who got put out of business? Like one gentleman had a medical marijuana uh, store in West Seattle. They put him out of that and gave him a, uh, a you know, a, a social, uh, but on Bashan Island. But a white group came right in behind him in West Seattle with uh, the cannabis store. And we have the same thing with uh, some other folks, because once I put you up on Facebook, I started getting these phone calls. But there's a, another uh, a couple of guys that had a store already, and they were put out of business. So I'm wondering, in terms of making things whole, will these African-Americans have an opportunity uh, to get at the table and be treated fairly? So as I stated, we heard those same stories, Eddie, when we did our outreach. That's what led to the agency coming up with the agency uh, request bill in order to create a program to where going forward, we can be more inclusive. In this program, we have where you get, uh, when you go through, and it's on the, uh, for those that are listening on LCB uh, website, you go on there, click on, click on social equity. It's going to give you everything you need to qualify, how to score, you can uh, what you need to be prepared, 
uh, anything you need to be ready to come into the business. But in there and in the scoring, we also included what we called uh, DIA, if you lived in a DIA. So a DIA consists of high poverty, an uh, area where it was high poverty rate, an area that had... Um, high participation of income-based federal programs, a high area of unemployment, and a high area of conviction. That's all part of the program to get in. And also there's uh, scoring in there for people who were in the business back then. Okay, so uh, uh, that's what I wanted to, that's the question I asked. What about the people who were in the business who got ran out of business? Right. Well, they do they have to go through jump through the same hoops? Obviously, they had the expertise to open up a store. So, do they have to go through the same thing as a new person that's just trying to apply for a license? Yes, they do. They have to go through the same process under the social equity requirements. Even though they had stores before, they yes, they have to go through the same process. Okay, and and. How did that? How did that uh, conclusion? How did? How did? Was that something that the board instituted? And, and I was just I'm just kind of curious because I'm hearing mixed messages as well. But I'm just trying to figure out the people who were in business before, who lost their investments, they got to go jump through the same hoops as somebody who's just have an interest. Well, I I wouldn't say as. I see. I'm not, talking about reparations now. That's that's part of reparations. But go right ahead, Nolly. I'm not, I wouldn't say the same hoops as everyone because in the beginning, there was no social equity program. These 44 licenses are under social equity and the social equity program. So there's a lot, they have to go onto the site, look at all the qualifications, and there is a, a checkpoint for those that was in the industry back in, in the past. There's things there that's allowed for them to get extra points based on, but you have to go onto that site. And that's what we're trying to do is to get okay. the word out to make yes. sure people know where to go and look. And we're doing webinars, outreach, training to make sure that the people that want to come in are ready. Okay. Now give us that information before we have to go. Cause I want to make sure that people who are interested and trying to be be involved with the cannabis industry, especially for my community. I want to make sure they have access to the information. And I also have that posted up on our Facebook page. And also two hours after this live program, this will be available on Alexa and on my podcast for the next several weeks and then on the website for a year. So information you're dispensing with right now will be readily available. And we'll allow, let people know that it is on uh, Alexa and my podcast. So where can they go to participate uh, in the game? lcb.wa.gov. And I also want people to know those that has looked and been through looking to see if they qualify and if they live in a DIA for them to go back on that this afternoon, there would be some updates to that DIA, DIA map. So I people need to go back in to see if they lived in a DIA, one of the qualifications. And that map has been or will be updated this afternoon. Well, that's great. So you gave the information that'll be available for the rest of the week. So uh, is Tabor, let me switch gears. Is Tabor 100 doing anything for Black History Month? 
yes, we will. And you will get an announcement and I will have someone from Tabor reach out to you to go over what we will be doing for Black History Month. Okay. Well, I look forward to talking to whoever that individual might be. Now, in terms of uh, meetings and stuff, since uh, the pandemic is over somewhat, uh, uh, any your, your in terms of your meetings, uh, how do people register to participate in the Tabor 100 meeting? Tabor 100 meetings are the last Saturday of every month from 10 a.m. to noon here at the Hub. Hot breakfast being uh, is served. We have had our own in-person only meetings now going on probably for the last year. So all of our meetings are in person and you can go on to Tabor100.org. The site comes up where they can register for the meeting uh, for so we can have an accurate count for our hot breakfast. Last month meeting, everybody loved Bridget and Wolf style catering. We had yeah. some good country <laughs> grits. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you one thing. I can amen on that Bridget. Now, she can really get down. And uh, yeah, I'll tell you what, getting some of Bridget's breakfast is worth going to the meeting. But some people <laughs> eat so much, they might go to sleep and not pay attention during the meeting. So, well, Ali, yeah. I, I really appreciate this. And thank you for the information. Thank all you do for the community. And I'm so happy to hear because I don't know if, you're aware of the fact yet, but we looked at the OMWB report, and in 2021, African Americans did 0.18% of the business of Washington State. Uh, we got Department of Enterprise Services, the state's procurement agency, all minorities together didn't do 1%. So we have a lot of work to do. I know that we have uh, uh, David Hackney now, Representative David Hackney now is leading the Black Members Caucus, and hopefully you know, with uh, 11 of them now, we can get something done. And I asked uh, Representative Hackney today in an email to prioritize economic inclusion for African descent United States enslaved. So, I mean, I know the feds say, and if you're Black, you count as Black. But, you know, uh, some people have been here and helped make this country a superpower by providing 254 years of free labor. So hopefully one of these days that will be taken into consideration. Right. And I also real briefly want to just thank the community that has come together back to the cannabis and work with the LCB and been part of the process of us coming in with this social equity program. We couldn't have uh, come to where we are today without the community giving us feedback, working with us. Uh, Black Excellent and Cannabis have been very helpful with uh, I would say monitoring us and holding us accountable. So I want to thank the community for helping us with that program. Thank you very much, Ali Garrett. We appreciate you. And I'm sure that people be looking forward to getting information on how they can be included in the cannabis industry. Thank you very much. Okay. Uh, I, first of all, I want to thank uh, Sound Transit's Office of Civil Rights, Equity, and Inclusion, uh, the Port of Seattle's Diversity Contracting Office, the City of Seattle's Purchasing and Construction Services uh, Department, and then also, uh, congratulations to State Representative Deborah Entman. She had a Student Basic Needs Act passed. And also, I want to give a shout out of uh, congratulations to uh, Minister Lanisha de Bartlebin, you know her from the Northwest African American Museum, and Minister Annette Jeffrey. Uh, there was an ordination ceremony that will be taking place uh, on Sunday. Unfortunately, I will not be here. Uh, it will also involve my good friend, Reverend Dr. Patricia Hunter, and naturally the main guy, the Reverend Dr. Robert L. Jeffrey, uh, who is the senior pastor uh, over at uh, New Hope Missionary Baptist Church. I uh, uh, want to go ahead and uh, 
uh, talk a little bit about. I don't know if Bob Armstead is still on the line. Bob, you still with us? Okay, he must be in the doctor's appointment. So, Rick, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll go ahead and take this break now and come back with uh, uh, with uh, Mike Asai and uh, with Peter Manning. Uh, they are founders of the second and third oldest uh, medical cannabis stores in the state of Washington. So why don't we take this break and come right back. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity of Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.seataxshops.com. At Sound Transit, we not only give people more reliable ways to get around, we're connecting diverse neighborhoods to an entire system of opportunities, like jobs, school, friends and family, and to the airport. Our commitment to economic development provides opportunities for women and people of color to compete fairly for Sound Transit contracts. All of this helps our regional workforce grow and thrive. Go to soundtransit.org and search DBE to learn more. Make us part of your daily routine. Alternative Talk, 1150. Okay, now we'll go ahead and hear uh, a, a February 9th interview that I did with Michael Sy, who was the founder of Emerald City Collective, the second Black-owned medical dispensary in the state, and also Peter Manning, founder of Bella Soul, which was located in Rainier Beach, was the third a Black-owned medical cannabis dispensary in the state. Now we'll hear from them from their February 9th interview on Urban Forum Northwest. Uh, we are back and we have been joined by uh, Peter Manning, who was owner of Bella Soul, uh, and also uh, Mike Asai, who is uh, the owner of Emerald City Collective Garden. And both of these gentlemen are in the cannabis business. And I'll let them uh, tell you, I want to start with, with Mr. Mike, since I know his whole family. So uh, we want him to go ahead and kick it off, and then uh, Peter could jump right in and share the pain that y'all have endured. So I uh, might go right ahead and let people know what happened. We have about 12 minutes, so go ahead and start, sir. Thank you, Mr. Rod. Hey, just want to say I appreciate you having us on today. Uh, this has been a very uh, traumatic experience for us and very important to us. Uh, my name is Mike Asai. I started Emerald City Collective. We were the first downtown Seattle uh, medical dispensary in 2010. Uh, we were fully licensed. We paid our taxes. We did everything the right way. Uh, we were the, the, the uh, Peter and I and others, we are the medical cannabis pioneers in Washington state. Uh, and unfortunately, we were unjustly shut down in 2016 because of uh, Senate Bill 5052. That was supposed to be a medical uh, recreational merger. But what it was, was it was really a takeover of medical and a shutdown of all the black dispensaries uh, in Seattle and King County throughout Washington. It was strategic. Uh, 2013, there was a lottery. Uh, the lottery gave those retailers one license. 5052 gave them three. So, but 
under to get those three, you had to be able to have the credentials of the collective garden of the, the dispensary like Emerald City Collective, meaning been licensed, paid taxes, was open prior to 2013. Well, you know, when I uh, turned the application in, uh, the LCB, uh, they like to uh, use verbiage in the way they wanted. Uh, they use selective verbiage uh, in uh, distributing the license. And uh, because of that, I was a priority too. Uh, Peter has a unique story as well of that as well. Uh, at the end of the day, we were cut out, we were shut out, and we did nothing wrong. And so, you know, now we've been fighting uh, for the inclusion to get back into the market. Uh, we want some form of reparations for this, uh, for the Black uh, pioneers. Yeah, well, I think that uh, that's not like a whole bunch of Black folks in business in Washington State, sadly. Now, uh, when did, uh, so they closed you down in 2016. That's correct. Okay, so unjust, unjustly, unjustly. So uh, now we had uh, a liquor and cannabis board member on last week, Ali Garrett, and she was saying that there's a new social justice initiative in the cannabis industry. Is that something that you guys are included in? Uh, yes, I'll let Peter uh, chime in on that. Uh, there's a, a Senate Bill 2870 that passed three years ago, social equity uh, in cannabis. And so right now that program is going live March 1st. There's also a new bill, uh, Senate Bill 5080, that expands the social equity program. Uh, it's a good thing, uh, but it's not a great thing. And I'll, I'll let Peter chime in on that. Go right ahead, uh, Peter Manning. Hi, hey, thank you for having me, uh, Mr. Rod. Yeah, I'm Peter Manning with Bell Slate. We were the third Black-owned uh, dispensary uh, in the Seattle area. We actually were licensed and whatnot. Of course, we had our our problems with LCV, we actually had a, applied for seven applications. We were approved. And that's a, a, a that that was a nightmare in itself because uh, we were competing against the cronyism and nepotism that the LCV was plagued with back then. It was all white. Um, we subsequently lost all those licenses, went to court, gained two of them back with the help of Ed Prince and his organization, African-American Affairs. And Paula Stradinas, uh, they helped us get those two applications back. Uh, we thank them. Uh, uh, we thank Ed Prince. Uh, he was instrumental in that. He was also instrumental in 2872, which gave us uh, the social equity. It, it brought to the forefront that there was a need for inclusion in the cannabis industry. And it actually shined the light that it was 98% white and the rest were other uh, members of society, uh, you know, uh non-black yeah non-black yeah exactly okay. <laughs> so i was just trying to frame it right man without insulting anyone you know well, i mean but, the facts are just the facts yeah the facts are the facts and yeah it was sad so now here we are in uh six years later um uh, and there's still no stores included uh it's the illusion of inclusion the sean kemp prop up you know, the uh, there was an article done on us in the uh, Washington Post where we exposed um, uh, the, Sean, the Sean Kemp uh, scandal or fraud. Uh, now we're back here again. Sean Kemp's opened up another store, which is it's just Ramsey and in uh, Amid Ramsey, I think his name is. Um, they're just using this this uh, this like I live in Skyway. Uh, have a hearts up here. They got a big mural of like 50 black folks on it, and it's owned by a, a white man. Um, it's the illusion of inclusion. Still, um, we have we have 50, 80 that Senator Saldana is currently working on that's going to add 
100 retail or 90 something retail licenses, 100 processors and producer licenses, if we can get it through uh, the house and up for a vote. So what? So what's the next step, uh, uh, brother Mike? So right now, the, you know, the next step, like as I said, we, March first, uh, the social equity program goes live with 44 licenses. Uh, and you know, there's been a problem and issue with with those licenses that are available. Uh, some are good, and a lot of them are bad. A lot of them are in banned moratoriums. Uh, with Senate Bill 5080, that will make those licenses portable, uh, meaning mobile. They can be placed anywhere uh, that a city or county sees fit. And that will add 52 to the 44. Uh, and as Peter said, it'll also add a uh, 100 producer processor license as well. And this is all for social equity. The goal is for these to get into the black and brown hands. Uh, but, you know, there's going to be some manipulation. Uh, we're hoping the manipulation is not to where it was in 2015. Uh, but because the LCB is not willing to use black as a criteria uh, to get a license or be top of the list, uh, it's just kind of open for everyone. Uh, so uh, that's the next steps right now. Uh, we're hopeful the program will be successful. Uh, there was some issues with the DIA, as you may have heard uh, from uh, Miss Garrett. And I just want to just say, you know, Miss Ollie Garrett, we love her. We support her. Uh, she has done a great job uh in these past years on um, the task force and the social equity, uh, she's been attacked unfairly, uh, which is unfortunate, uh, you know, being the only uh, black uh, board member, and I believe the original only black ever board member on the liquor cannabis board. Uh, so we're in support of her. Uh, we're in support and appreciate uh, Paula Sardinas and the work she's done. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We definitely uh, love the, the work that Senator Saldana's done and also the work of uh, Deborah, Representative Deborah Intamin as well. So we're very hopeful uh, that the next steps are going to be good uh, for the black uh, community. Uh, but it's unfortunate because right now in King County, there is zero, let me say it again, zero African-American ownership in Dr. King County. And that is a shame. When the black pioneers started this, showed the state that, you know, this can be a business that's ran legitly. We did that. We paid our taxes and we did nothing wrong, but we got unjustly shut down. Let me chime like in you here. Guys sign up on the civil rights complaint because this is the same kind of issue that blacks in this state are having across the board. And anytime you get Congressman Benny Thompson to write a letter uh, making uh, a bring into light that blacks are being discriminated against in Washington State. Yeah. And uh, so uh, I don't know if you heard uh, Bob Armstead, our president of the National Association of Minority Contractors in Washington. Uh, he's the architect of the complaint, the civil rights complaint. And you guys are, are eligible to sign on to the civil rights complaint if you so desire, because it's about getting equity for African Americans. Let me say, African descendants of United States enslaved. Yes, and yes, four years they built this joint for free. So uh, now you would both are eligible. And Bob Armstead is on the line with us right now. And I'll hook y'all up. But this okay. is just a pattern all across Washington State: this denial of access for Black folks. African descendants to participate in the economic pie of Washington State. It's, I mean, it's been going on for years. Everybody knows it. There's been nine or 10 disparity studies all saying the same thing. And then the latest report from OMWBE, it shows that uh, 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 Blacks did 0.18% of the state's business. Now, mm -hmm. you know, and first of all, no affirmative action for 23 years. And then we got an executive order last year but the numbers come out, they're dismal. And uh, hopefully, uh, with the help of Congressional Black Caucus and Congressman Benny Thompson and others, 
Adam Smith, Senator Patty Murray, we can get some economic justice. And uh, you guys fall right into that. Zero black cannabis distributors, well, stores, black-owned stores in King in Martin Luther King Jr. County. Yeah, not one. Yes, sir. That's that not is one. Hey, so, uh, a shout out to Aunt Mr. Prince. Uh, there's, you know, Renton can use some black um, uh, dispensaries in Renton. I don't, I don't think you guys have any there. If you're still online. Well, I, he got us picked up. He might be on another call, but I I think that's a good question to ask Ed Prince. I might have to call him on the phone and tell him to get back, log back on so he can deal with that because he's in a position to put forth uh, those items as a member of the Written City Council. I think there's a, said there's another African-American on. If you, if you don't speak up, uh, if you don't show up, you know, and don't stand up, you will just be dismissed completely. And this last 23 years has been too much. That's how black folks lost the CD behind redlining and lack of opportunities. And we have studies every year showing that blacks are being discriminated against. Yet nothing is done about it. So uh, right. hopefully the black folks who are, 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 you know, out there trying to get their stuff together and willing to stand up. Because some people think if you sign on the dotted line or speak up against racism, uh, you'll be whiteballed. I don't call it blackballed. You'll be <laughs> whiteballed and you won't have any opportunities. If you look at the numbers, you're not having any opportunities anyway. So you really yeah. don't have anything to lose. And uh, hopefully, uh, if the DO Department of Justice comes in, not only can people get opportunities, but also so people can be made whole. So what is the, what is the next uh, steps for, for the two of you, the t- two pioneer cannabis store owners? Uh, to persuade the city of Seattle to give Black folks uh, reparations for the stores that they took. You know, reach out to Bruce Harrell and uh, city council. Uh, they most definitely came after us under the Ed Murray administration, along with David Mendoza. They they targeted us. Uh, they they targeted us with the with the DEA, the FBI, and the Liquor Control Board. We were a target. We were assassinated. The whites wanted those locations we have, and they currently have them now. Every spot that you go in now and you look at, there are white-owned stores where blacks used to be, and that was by design. Reggie White owned the cannabis store in West Seattle, and they told him that uh, he had to move to Vashon Island to do recreational. But then a white organization comes right in behind him, the same store almost, and they're operating right now. So obviously, uh, this is just outright racism. Absolutely. Yeah, right. There's no question about it. There's no question about it. Well, I'm certainly you know, hoping that if you guys had a chance to have an audience with with Mayor Bruce Harrell. Yeah, we did. We we've had a chance to have one meeting with him so far. Uh, looking for, that meeting went great. Uh, we're looking to have multiple meetings with him and his staff. Uh, we uh, know that Bruce Harold uh, is behind us and behind the black the 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 he's behind black inclusion in this cannabis uh, industry. Uh, we all know that blacks were arrested at the highest rates of any other race when it comes to cannabis. Now we're being traumatized when it's the legalization now and. You know, it's unfortunate because uh, my store, Emerald City Collective, is two blocks from where Sean Kemp is and love Sean Kemp. Grew up watching Sean Kemp slam dunk, doing great things. Nothing against Sean Kemp, but they used him for the illusion of inclusion. And it's hurtful because people think that Sean Kemp around the country and around the world is black owned. And, you know, we we have to get that changed. Hmm. That is really, really unfortunate to have somebody of that uh, caliber and stature 
to allow themselves to be used. That's really uh, uh, unbelievable. But like I said, there, Bob Armstead has uh, filed his complaint. And uh, 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 Bob, would these guys fit into uh, the civil rights complaint? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. For them to know, all of our supporting documentation so far has been information that has either been prepared by or for public agencies. Hmm. And, and none of none of us have been our information. Yeah, you know, if I can chime in there, I think one of our problems is, you know, we got to get unified when we when we have a problem, we got to, you know, get unified and get organized as a group. You know, me and Mike currently are uh, battling, the, you know, the elements of white supremacy on the level of uh, white ownership that own, the, the white retailers, they are trying to prevent us from getting the social equity passed. We see it every day when we go to Olympia. They, you know, they, they're coming out with uh, things such as oversaturation. If black people are allowed to get in, we're going to become drug dealers, all the while selling drugs themselves. You know, uh, and I think black people, we, we don't understand that we all have a common enemy. We may have different objectives and different outlooks. But we all have the same oppressor. We have the same enemy trying to keep us from generational wealth. We need to understand that first. And that's how we need to bring us all in uh, under one umbrella of, uh, of unity and fight opposition where it's on the front lines and not be okay, divided. Well, i tell you what, that's why I want you guys to get with uh, Bob Armstead. Uh, I want to thank both of y'all for your time, for your struggles, but they're not in vain. And... Uh, we have some, remember the Renton City Council can be an advocate, also a sound transit board member can be an advocate. You just finished listening to a recording of an interview I did with Michael Sai and Peter Manning, uh, both who held, were founders of medical marijuana uh, stores that have been kicked out of the game. And then once again, I want to thank Sound Transit's Office of Civil, Civil Rights, Equity and Inclusion, Port of Seattle's Diversity Contracting Office, the City of Seattle's Purchasing and Construction Services Department. And this has been Eddie Bryant with another edition of Urban Forum Northwest. I want to thank Eric for hooking that up for me. Uh, so we'll be talking with you again next week. Once again, this program will be accessible in about two hours uh, on uh, my podcast and on Alexa. So thank you very much. Thank you.